Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. So informative, it's almost illegal. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew... Hey, man. How are you? And what are you drinking today? Ah, good, dude. Good. I am just drinking my Keegan Ale's Mother's Milk. And I don't know if it is as good as Mother's Milk, but it's really, really good. <laughs> is stout. it a stout? Yeah. I have a... Well, I'm not drinking it now, but I have a milk stout. I wonder if it's like a common thing. Really? I wonder if... I wonder if, what, uh, which one do you have? Mine's uh, Left Hand Brewing Company, I want to say. Ah, I love Left Hand. Yeah. I wonder if they taste similar because they're both have milk in the name. You know, maybe stout, I, I if, don't know. It's the, if the name's similar, obviously it has to taste the same. How was the did the sunlight from the window seal like add some flavor? It does. It does. <laughs> it's <a> special <laughs> New York sun. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm just drinking my uh, Traveler's Winter Ale. Hopefully it doesn't go away too soon because it's seasonal. But it's, I think it's my favorite beer ever. Really? Like it, it, it's technically a shandy, but it's the most beery tasting thing they've ever put out and i just it's so good and uh yeah i like it more than oma gang and um all those other like crazy expensive beers i've had those are good but it's just so damn tasty i see you drinking them a lot was it was it the yellow mustache that turned you on to the well that's that's the original the lemon shandy Mm. but i think so they all don't have a mustache on them the mustache is it was a draw i will admit like i picked it up because of that but the taste is what kept me uh, kept me buying it. So yeah, I have this I great it, picture. We went to a uh, a beer like um, fest thing, and Laura was there, and my friend's wife was there, and they were, they were giving out mustaches for you know their beer. Oh yeah, and so we have the two ladies with their mustaches on. It's just <laughs> a cool picture. <laughs> Did you know you they like if you buy the box like a six pack, you can actually cut a mustache out of it. Really? And like yeah, I think that's where they get them. Huh? It's pretty funny. But yeah, so uh, today's catchphrase comes from Larry Ludwig, and it was so informative, it's almost illegal. Hopefully it's not almost illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Except in Delaware. I think everything's illegal there. Yeah, okay. I assumed everything was illegal in New Jersey, but apparently... (laughs) Actually, that's true. Not everything's just corrupt here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, hey, if you want to get your catchphrase featured on the show, then send it to us via Twitter. We're at Money Matters Man over there. And today's episode, we're going to be talking to uh, some Money Matters team member... His name is Johnny Horta, and uh, hey, Johnny, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. So what are we talking about today, taxes? Yeah, we're going to you know, t- 
talk a little bit about taxes and and see if we can help some people out there since tax season opens up uh, on the twentieth. So uh, and I know a lot of people are eager out there to get their refunds and get their uh, their money back in their pocket from good old Uncle Sam. <laughs> Is it that always was- January twentieth? By the way. No, it kind of depends on, you know, every year, you know, last year or this year, actually, they were they were thinking of it's going to start later only because uh, they had to extend some tax breaks and things like that. So Congress had to get that done till till December. So they were thinking it started late, but the IRS came out and said it starts on the 20th. So that's when we'll start accepting e-filed returns. Okay, so I basically like I, I can't actually wake up January 1st and do my taxes like I want to. Well, you can. <laughs> I mean, you you can. You just have to get all your paperwork in order, and if your employer gives it to you or you have all your paperwork, then you can. But uh, okay. the I, the IRS won't accept it until the twentieth. Gotcha. So if I send it to them, they're just gonna let it sit there and then open it up on the twentieth, basically. Yeah, it's all it's all electronically. So yeah. Oh, or that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember when I used to mail in my tax uh, tax return thing. Oh, you. Oh, see, I I remember. You, I don't know if it's always like this, but with TurboTax, you have to pay extra. And I was just like, I don't, I don't do envelopes. I don't know how to. Do oh, that. well, when I was when I was a, like a teenager, I like worked at the grocery store, and uh, I had to do my taxes, and I didn't really know what TurboTax was. I don't even know if they were around at that. So time. You filled all the forms out. Yeah, so I went to the library. I like grabbed the forms, like wrote it out in pen, and like mailed it in to get my my uh, my refund. Every time Man. I talk to you, you sound more and more ambitious. It's <laughs> well, I just I had a job, and my mom was like, "You got to do your taxes," and I was like, "All right." <laughs> and I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> so I just want to say that um, taxes, like just the word, like kind of makes me sweat a little bit. So I, so for this episode, I put on extra deodorant, and I just want to say that <laughs> we're, we're gonna like wade carefully in. So we're gonna do like multiple episodes. And hopefully, uh, after the series with with Johnny doing all the heavy lifting and us just you know not really doing much lifting, you won't perspirate as much when you hear. Right, and Johnny, you're a tax accountant, right? Well, yeah. So uh, so I have a, a tax business, HortaFinancialServices.com. Shameless plug. And so uh, so we do taxes here, um, pretty much individual taxes, just for like friends, and it's relatively small. We're just starting out, so. So, uh, I, yeah, I just find it really interesting and, and do everything I can to learn about it. Well, Johnny, why would I ever hire you over hiring that DVD I get in the mail, TurboTax? So there's kind of, you know, TurboTax is good. TurboTax is going to walk you through uh, an interview process, and it's basically going to ask you, hey, do you have this or do you have that? And with a lot of yes or no questions and insert your W-2 forms here. But but what it's not going to do, it's not going to really help you interpret the law. I know uh, a lot of people um, like have home office deductions and things like that that they want to claim, but, but, you know, TurboTax, if you don't really – understand the law that it's kind of giving you and make you answer the questions correctly, you may or may not be within the confines of the law. So if you know if you were to come to me or any other tax pro out there in the United States, we'll help you interpret that law. It's it's I'm probably not gonna lie to you, it's gonna be a little bit more costly, but at the end of the day, uh we'll do it correctly and uh right the first time. I remember I did a hell of a lot of reading to like uh, deduct my office. Someone had told me something and I, taxes, like I've been doing my own taxes but I just got married and then bought a place and whatever. And it took me days, days of work, 
like lots like i was laura was you know andrew all right is there anything i do for you whatever because it was just taking me so much time <laughs> so um i definitely could resonate with that whole interpreting the law piece yeah and for my part i just i want peace of mind so <laughs> 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 that's why uh, i used to do the turbo text thing and i finally have an accountant now because i just with like the self-employed thing and all the business and expenses and all that, I just like I don't want to get something wrong, I guess. So, so uh, you you had reminded me I, I'd seen the commercial before, Johnny. You had reminded me that H and R Block's running this commercial, and it's like, get your billion back, America, you know, and and they're basically saying that there's a billion dollars a year, or at least last year, left on the table from American taxpayers that they didn't get back that they could have. And um, you you were kind of explaining it to me. Could could you explain like why this is like? Are is the government stealing from us? Are we just stupid? Well, I guess that uh, depends on what side of the political game you're on. If the government's stealing from you <laughs> or not. But but um, in in regards to to taxes, what they're really saying is is there's tons of tax breaks out there. The the IRS code is so complex. You know, you you may or may not be getting every single deduction or credit that that you may deserve based on everybody's individual situation so I mean um, I, I guess we can we can start really by by kind of going through the the very, very basics of, of taxes and, and how your refund comes about I guess without getting really technical and really nerdy um, you know we can do that later but so so just to kind of start out and you know, that gives some some premise to it. So the the United States has five different tax brackets, right? Everybody's like, oh, I'm in a tax bracket. This is I'm almost close to the next one, or I'm just below that one. Which right? was actually so, how I explained it to you when we first started talking about this. <laughs> that that was my understanding of it. It's like, well, I could knock myself from 35 to 32 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So so you can with with the right credits and and the right deductions. I I guess you can say, but. But when it what it comes down to is they're called marginal tax brackets, and now I don't really want to get too nerdy here. But <laughs> no, no, explain but, it because th- I yeah. didn't get it until you had explained it for me. So, so using a hypothetical scenario of somebody making, we'll say, uh, fifty five thousand dollars. So fifty five thousand dollars puts them into a twenty five percent tax bracket. So they they'll pay 25% on $55,000. That's kind of what that means there. But but it's not 55 it's not 25% of the entire 55,000. So from their first $10,000 that they'll get will be taxed at uh, 10%. The second the uh income from basically 10,000 to 36,000 will be taxed at 15% and then from 36,000 to 55,000 will be taxed at 25%. So that's kind of what we mean by marginal. Mm. So, so so it's, it's not kinda, like everything is at 35% where yeah. you drop down a, a bracket and like you're saving a massive amount of money, you're just not you're just saving so that like minimal or like oh, if I can get myself into the 20% tax bracket, like they think they're going to like they think that everything they make right now is going to be 25% and they can save up like a buttload of money by going down. When in reality, like you're only going to be taxed an extra 5% on whatever's past $50,000 a year, right? 
Yeah, right. Cor- to- totally correct. Yeah. So, um, and then we're right there. We're talking. We're talking gross income. So, kind of taking it one step further. Um, then there's a there's taxable income that we kind of have to worry about. So, gross income. These are scenarios five uh, fifty five thousand uh, dollars. In addition to that, you know, so if somebody contributes to a traditional IRA. Uh, you know, they put five thousand dollars traditional IRA. There's adjustments there, so they'll adjust that down to fifty thousand dollars. So now we're getting like really, really into the weeds a little bit. But so that's how a traditional IRA will help you. It'll take your gross income minus whatever contributions you have your to your traditional IRA because a traditional IRA is before tax, and okay. then that'll that'll give you your AGI, your adjusted gross income. So, okay. If I understand correctly, if you make uh, $50,000 and you put $5,000 in a 401k, then your AGI changes from 50 to 45 because you put five in, you know, into a uh, – you've reduced your taxable income by 5K. And then um, because you've reduced your taxable in- income by 5K, you're not like dropping a tax bracket or dramatically affecting the 45K that you earned. You're just saving on taxes only on the 5k you contributed to that 401k. Well, so if you contribute to a 401k, since a 401k is an employer plan, you're really reducing your gross income. So you're going to reduce it way before it even hits your tax return. So the gross right. income that's reported on your tax return is going to be $5,000 less. Right? And then on oh. top of that, on top of that, if you contribute to a traditional IRA, because just kind of the way traditional IRAs work with brokerage accounts is you contribute it after the money hits your bank account. So essentially after the money's taxed already by your employer, then it adjusts on your tax return as an adjustment. So now your five thousand dollars to four hundred one K and your five thousand dollars to your traditional IRA is adjusted on your tax return. Okay. So I'm so, confused. So the four hundred one K is just a vehicle to save money automatically and have your employer potentially match it, right? But then like you can choose where it goes based on the the options your employer gives you, correct? Right, those are the investment options, so that's not really So, correct. so like say my employer has a 401k. I, let me let me ask, maybe I just don't know. If you had a 401k, could you elect for your 401k contributions to go into a Roth or not? No, so a Roth is like just a different vehicle. Like so if there's it's just a different tax vehicle. Okay, I guess I was under the impression that the 401k was just a setup for them to take money out of your paycheck and invest it for you so and match. And 401k then go is into- like uh, pre-tax, dude. I, th- I thought you were a fan of the, the show. I, I was. You was- <laughs> I guess I was under the impression that, like the 401k could like you have different investment options within the 401k, and like one of them could be a traditional or one of them could be a Roth. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like. Misunderstanding I, I take that. it back. I, I used to think you're ambitious <laughs> like 15 minutes ago, and I just not. All right, no. Explain <laughs> that's, that's the that is the impression I got from you. So I'm going to blame you for now. <laughs> so so real quick, uh, 401k <laughs> is pre-tax if it's like you know okay. traditional, and then I mean that's typically how it's discussed. And then IRA has a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Traditional right. is pre-tax. Roth is post-tax. So if I put money into a 401k, it will not go into any form of IRA. Correct. So like, like they're they're just completely different. Like for example, 401k, you can't withdraw until you're like retirement age, barring some weird rules. IRA has different. There's just like different huh. okay. buckets with like different rules. Okay, maybe I'm confused because what I have to do for my business is a simple IRA, but then like my business entity quote unquote can contribute to it as well mm. maybe it's just like different than a 401k 
I'll tell you what, though, uh, the next one, we got to go in deep there because there's like so many, I, I think, just pitfalls with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there's like so many questions about it. But uh, to, to kind of jump back, Johnny, uh, you, you said that when you contribute to a 401k, it changes your gross income. And before you, you said something about adjusted gross income, and I'm terribly confused what what's the difference (laughs) and like why is my gross income for lack of a better term adjusted because i put i contributed to a 401k okay so your gross income is everything that you get pretty much all income from all sources derived that's kind of the definition that the irs has so that includes wages and salaries uh, taxable interest uh capital gains uh retirement distributions, just kind of anything that you would get your hands on. If you had a small business it would and made a profit there, that money would go in there. Uh, any sort of, so that's your gross income, right? Mm. So a, a part of that is your, is your, the wages you get your, from your employer, but the wages you get from your employer are, so if you make 50000 and get, uh, contribute $5,000 to your 401k, your employer is only going to report a 45000 on your W-2. Mm. Okay. And so you add all those up, and then we get a number. For this instance, we'll say 45000 And then on top of that, you contributed $5,000 to a traditional IRA. So now your adjusted gross income is uh, $40,000. Okay, so I can basically, there's like, I have two opportunities in this case to save money on my taxes, is what you're saying. Yeah, there's there's a ton other adjustments, but that's kind of the big one that that everybody knows. I mean, you can deduct student loan interest as well. Uh, hmm. If you're if you're hmm. a teacher, you can do some things. There, there's a ton more. Okay. So so the name of the game is to get your AGI or adjusted gross income as low as possible. Like you know, your gross is kind of almost untouchable, but your AGI like you could play with a lot. Well, well, that that really depends on like your strategy, right? So, do you want to contribute to a traditional IRA where your taxable income, you know, it's t- it's pre-tax, so you pay taxes when you pull it out, or do you want to contribute to a Roth IRA and it's post-tax and you don't even show it on your on your adjustment section? Well, so it kind of just depends on you. Let, let me ask you this because if say say back to the original example, and I have a home office and I work from home one day a week, blah blah blah, and I want to write this off of my taxes, if I write off of my taxes, does that lower my AGI or is that like even separate? So perfect segue into what we're going to talk about next, <laughs> right? You just hit the nail on the head. So now we have our AGI number and for this example, we're at 45,000, right? So then and additionally, it's decreased by two things. It's decreased by either a standard deduction or an itemized deduction. And the, your personal exemptions, how many, how many dependents you claim. And, right? and wait a second. I, I think I need you to maybe say that again. So there, your AGI sits wherever it is because of you know IRA, 401k, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then you deduct from your AGI. Yes. So we're going to okay. deduct from our AGI now. So the first thing is either itemized deductions or standard deduction. So a standard deduction is... Is really easy to uh, explain. It's and, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One one more question. Yeah, yeah. One more question. And whether I'm I'm reducing my number to to whatever my AGI is, or I'm deducting from the AGI, I'm saving taxes both ways. So like we can call it an apple, we can call it a pear, but this final number after AGI after deductions, that's what I'm going to pay taxes on. 
Yeah, we're going to get to taxable income here right now. This is how this is part of the calculation of taxable income. Where where then we'll use the charts to figure out how much we actually paid. Okay, sorry, but but I interrupted you on the standard deduction <laughs> versus itemized. Yeah, so so the standard deduction is you know just based on your filing status. So if you're married filing jointly, whether you're single or you're head of household or something like that. So a married filing jointly for for me and you, Andrew, if we were to take the standard deduction, is uh, twelve thousand four hundred. Uh, Thomas, I think you're single, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Thomas is single. His standard deduction, if he were to take it, is uh, sixty two hundred this year. Right. Oh, so, it went up. yeah. So it kind of goes up every year. So this year it's sixty two hundred, and then, and then in addition to that, so now we have itemized deductions, right? And this is kind of where people really get, get uh, into the weeds. Where can I write it off, or can I write it off? Your home office, for instance, right? If if you didn't have a business, let's assume Andrew doesn't have a business right now, and he wanted to deduct his home office for the because it was he was used it for the convenience of his employer, he would do that in what's called a Schedule A. So basically you add up all your itemized deductions and the categories are like medical expenses, um, mortgage interest and in, um, mortgage interest and real estate taxes. Um, there's a miscellaneous section in there. Your charitable contributions. Um, there's a casualty loss thing. And then um, so we add up all those numbers and then everything that we have in those sections and those categories and then we compare it to the standard deduction and then we subtract it from age or whatever's higher. And we subtract it from ACI. So, so you would only go itemized. Like you'd only say, I bought this trade magazine and I got new shoes to walk to work. You'd only do that if your total itemized would be higher than whatever your standard deduction would be. In Yes. There is, there is okay. some instances where it wouldn't be, but that's really in the weeds. And not so you can't take both, basically. No, it's either one or the other. Either you're right. taking the standard deduction and it's basically less work. You know, but if you don't have so like I owned a house and even with my mortgage interest and my real estate taxes and everything I had, I would never even come close to the twelve thousand four hundred four hundred dollar number. So yeah. I just took to twelve thousand four hundred. So dare I say the name of the game is in itemized deductions. I mean, it all it all works together. But I mean, if you're if you were like in me and, you know, I don't have any medical expenses because I have, you know, health care that pays for everything and I have uh you know, I don't. My house didn't come close to twelve thousand four hundred. I mean, so I, I have to take the standard. You know, that's the smartest move for me. So, um, I, I don't want to go like too deep into like shooting itemized deduction ideas to you because we could probably do a five-hour episode on that. <laughs> but, yep. but uh, like, I'm just curious. One selfish question because I, I think, and, and I know we're going to do a small business-based tax one soon, which I'm very excited for. But just to kind of like wet my palate a little bit, I, I have Listen Money Matters and say um, Listen Money Matters needed money to, I don't know, buy a car or something, whatever. Can I give $1,000 of my money to Listen Money Matters and then use that as an itemized deduction? So, no. Well, it's... The short answer is no, only because Listen Money Matters itself, uh, dependent on how you have it set up, the business setup, whether you have it as a sole proprietorship, uh, an LLC that's a disregarded entity, and now we're getting really nerdy with some vocabulary, mm -hmm. but um, you know, or an S corp, uh, you're basically investing in the company. So the 
the asset. So if you bought a car or or you bought a piece of equipment like a new mic or something like mm-hmm. that, that that would be an asset that's on what's called a Schedule C, not so much in the itemized deduction category here. Okay, so, so that's more a business expense. Kind that's of? A, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's more of a business expense, and, okay. and you basically just invested your money into the company. And there, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of rules of you investing your money in the company and how much you can deduct and losses and stuff like that. So, so without going deeper, are there ways for me to reduce my taxable income because I have a business, maybe with like similar type tactics? No. <laughs> no, because wah, I mean, wah. I mean, you're going <laughs> to spend money on the... You're going to spend money on expenses that you're going to write off against your profit, I guess you can say. So mm. unless you buy a, a bunch of things and, you know, your the expenses that you have in your business far exceed your profit. But so you just, you can if you're trying to do like some quote unquote tax engineering, instead of sending your expenses to the business, you would want to send your income to the business. And that's how you could save. No, you couldn't, save, really you, you couldn't save that way either. <laughs> <laughs> the way I understand it, you, your, your business makes income and then you have business expenses and you take those two numbers and you get your profit or loss from your business. And if you're a sole proprietorship, then that would be applied to your personal taxes and you pay income and self-employment tax on that. Assuming hmm. it's a profit, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So... so- <laughs> All right, so so I need a, I need a mall on this, and when we do that one, I'm gonna have some I'm gonna have some pretty sharp, hopefully sharp questions because uh, I I remember so I forget who had told me this, but you know they're like well obviously tax evasion is illegal, but tax avoidance is encouraged, and I am very interested in how I may avoid you know, how I can get part of my billion back. I guess is of maybe course everybody way to wants their build a billion back. So uh, I want a billion dollars, and uh, I <laughs> can't go run Tim and Eric's mall to get it. So uh, one thing I hear about a lot is like these credits, like education credits and like earned income credit or something. I don't. Know. I see them in TurboTax back when I used TurboTax, and like I don't think I qualified for any of them. But what, what's a credit, and how can you get credits? Do they reduce your taxable income? Yeah, so so real quick, just to take it full circle, uh, you have our AGI, and then we deduct it. We uh, subtract our either our itemized deductions or our standard deductions, and uh, right. and then to get a number, and then we subtract your exemption. So basically, the number of dependents you have, multiply that by uh, three thousand nine hundred and fifty, and then we get a number. Okay. And then and then finally we get our taxable income. So bam, now we have oh, our okay. taxable income. So this is the amount of money that we pay taxes on, right? Okay, so, so I have one and, question before we dive into credits then. Yep. Um, if I am single, I have a girlfriend, no wife, no kids, do I claim zero exemptions or one exemption? So that's on your, on your W-4 on your, uh, through your employer, uh, but your, for you, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> exemptions, uh, you'd probably claim one because you're a single guy. Okay, so I, I can claim myself basically. Yes, you'd be claiming yourself. I got it confused with uh, your W-4. My Is there mistake. any situation where you would claim zero? Well, if you're a dependent of another tax return, a tax preparer, or tax payer. So like my sister, okay. she's, a, she's a dependent of my mom. So she, she has a job, so she gets her, files her taxes, but she doesn't claim her uh, personal exemption. Okay, so if I work at the grocery store, but I'm like a high school kid, I come home, you know, I live with my mom, everything, then I would claim zero exemptions. 
because I'm a dependent pretty much. Yeah, you're dependent. So so you claim cool. there's uh there's other rules for that, but for the most part that's how it works. Okay. 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 And, and wait, again, I'm going to interrupt before we get to credits <laughs> cuz uh you you brought up a really good point, Thomas, with the W4 form, and I'm going to say that for every single job that I've had and whether it's the movie theater or blah blah blah, and I've worked a lot of places, I get extreme amounts of anxiety filling out the W4 form because I think that I'm doing it incorrect. And um, one, Johnny, is it possible for me to do it incorrect and get screwed? And two, like, um, what, like, is there like a strategy maybe or approach to doing it properly or maybe not properly, but more advantageous for your life situation? So your W-4, there's a, you basically pick married or single and the number of exemptions that you have. And then there is some formula that the IRS runs through and it says, okay, if you get paid monthly, biweekly, weekly, dailies, whatever, then you pay X number of dollars in taxes when you get paid on that paycheck. So hold that thought and uh, we'll get to payments right now after we're done with credits a little bit. Sure. And then I'll, I'll answer that question. So, so now we have our taxable income and we figure out how much tax we paid. So let's say we paid, I don't know, $2,000 in tax. That's how much we were going to pay or we should pay. That's how much our bill is. Mm-hmm. So then your bill starts to get offset by these credits that Thomas were talking about. So there's credits for, for all sorts of things, um, child independent care expenses. You know, I pay daycare for my kids. I get a credit for that. Uh, education credits. There's a retirement savings contribution credit. So if, you, uh, lo- it, uh, if you're like lower to moderate income, you get a credit for saving for retirement. There's a child tax credit if you have children. So there's all these earned income credit. Um, if you're kind of uh, lower income and have children or not, uh, you can get this some sort of credit. And it's all based on charts and, and things like that. So so basically these credits, they in addition to the amount that was, that was uh, withheld from your paycheck, get applied to that tax bill. So if your credits come out to... $5,000, essentially, there's a chance that, and you have a $2,000 tax bill, there's where your $3,000 refund comes into play. Okay. So that, that's kind of taking it full circle there. And there's credits that are refundable and non-refundable. Some of them can can lower your tax liability back to zero. Some of them can, um, can make it go past zero, like the earned income credit. If you have a zero tax liability, you don't pay any taxes and you qualify for their income credit, it's a refundable credit, and it's a lot of money. So that's why some people uh, get big credits because of that earned income credit. So wait, let me... So did I hear this right? Like, there are certain credits that can only take you to zero, and they won't refund you if you go past it? Right, right. So, okay. Yep. So like the child, the child tax credit, for instance, if, you know, if I have a tax bill of $1,000 and I have two kids, the child tax credit is worth uh, $1,000 each. So I would basically use one of those child tax credits to make my taxes go to zero, and then okay. the other one. And then there's a so, n- there's another refundable credit for the rest of it for the other kid. So certain so certain types of credits will just basically make like your taxes free if you got down to zero, and certain other ones are like when you extreme coupon to the point where the store has to pay you that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, those okay. are refund- Re- like really. Yeah. So there's a situation where you can actually get money from the IRS, like positive, like they're paying you. That this exists. It it, it does exist, um, but it's like you your situation is probably your low income. Um, if I were to take a stab in the dark, it's probably going to be between you know twenty five and thirty thousand dollars. 
and okay. have maybe two or three children. So it's really for really low income. So um, like you literally and, have to have because I know that there are quite a lot of people in the audience who earn in that range. Like the only way they'd be able to earn back from the IRS is like if they just had a bunch of kids or are there are other ways beyond kids, you know, maybe. So everybody's situation is different. No two situations are the same. I mean, even if you right. worked at the same job with the guy next to you, you're taxes are probably going to be different only because every little decision you make, whether you contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or 401k or go to school or don't, has some effect on your taxes somehow, some way. Don't have kids to get tax credits, <laughs> please. So you, you were telling me before, Johnny, about something that really grinds your gears. And um, I was going to say, so like, what what really what really grinds your gears when, when people come to you for tax help? So what really grinds my gears is people getting these huge refunds, you know, three, four, five, six thousand dollars, right? And then complaining throughout the whole year, saying, "Man, I don't have any money to do this," or "My budget's already exhausted," or, or you know, "Can I can I borrow some money?" But you know, come February, they're a tax time baller, as I like to say. You know, they take the refund <laughs> and they make it rain. You know, it's and so there's ways to combat that. If people were just understand their situation, you know, and yes, I know taxes are boring and but at the end of the day, you know, you have a bill and there's ways to to help you distribute that three thousand dollar tax return that you're gonna get in February throughout the whole year to help out your situation. And so that so that's simply by just adjusting your W four and knowing your benefits. You you totally stole it out of my mouth because I was gonna be like so back to the W four because <laughs> I I I viewed the W four as like a lever where you could pull it towards you and maybe you know you get more money back at the end or you push it away like how how can you leverage your W four to maybe get more money back now and even if you go so extreme you'll pay later or take less money now and then get a huge refund at the end. So I would say uh, take. The tax return that you're you're about to file uh, this year. So once you're done, take a look at it and see what your refund is, and then see how much you're actually withheld from your paycheck, um, because that's part of of you know how your refund that comes back. So if you think your situation is going to stay the same, then uh, adjust your your W four either higher or lower, depending on if you got a refund or whether you had to pay. Um, there's a great calculator on the IRS website that you can use on the back of the W-4 itself. There's a manual calculation that you can use to kind of figure um, how much is actually going to come out of your paycheck based on what you're going to what you claim on your W-4. But if uh, I mean, Andrew, if they email you, there's another way to do it. It's called the uh, Circular E Pub 15. It's it's a really, really nerdy way, but there's a chart in there, and it's really simple to use. So they email you, then uh, you can get it to me, and, and I'll walk through that with the, the listener to, to and, help them figure it out. And just to understand, when you say they will email you, you mean the employer or the IRS? or No, I, I meant the listener. Oh, if, oh. if the listener were to email you, well, and, you know, and say, hey, I need help figuring this out, uh, just, I got get, you. just get them to me, and I'll, and I'll help them. You know. Okay. So I have a dumb question. Dumber than my last question? Yes, I want to ask. I've been wanting to ask it for a while, but I didn't. Well, I have two questions, but I want to start with a dumb one. Is the W-4 the thing you fill out when you get the job, and then the W-2 is the thing they like mail to you at tax time? Is that correct? 
Yeah, so the when you first get a job, right. you're, all that paperwork, the W-4 is what you're going to fill out. And then the W-2 is really a summary of all your compensation and what you did from Okay. Here. So it'll, it'll, it has your Social Security taxes, your federal taxes, your state taxes, right. your everything. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I think a lot of people, myself included, look at the paperwork, fill it out, don't memorize the name with the dash number on all these forms. So like, I want to make sure people like know exactly what, what is the W-4, like, what does it look like? What W two is? I think W two is probably the most like recognizable Dude, form. But I'm with you because whenever <laughs> I hear these, th- my eyes like glaze into the back of my head. Like W four, yeah. blah blah. I, there's probably three total forms, but like I can't, <laughs> I can't handle. Well, it. yeah. When he said W four, I was like, what is that again? I had to think, you know, for a second. So um, the other question is, so you you said like, you know, assess your situation based on the past year's data and. If you think you're going to make the same amount of money, then you could leave the W four the same or adjust it, you know, uh, accordingly. So I've heard people say that, oh, hey man, you can adjust your W four so they withhold a lot, and then you won't be tempted to spend money every month. You could invest that money when you get the return back, or you can, you know, do it the other way around where you get more money back. So what, like, can you explain the thinking behind withholding a bunch or not withholding very much at all, and? And how people could take advantage of that and what like type of person you need to be if you're going to take it all at once? Well, I think it all just comes down to whatever your personal strategy and your personal budget is. I mean, some people that I know use it as kind of a forced savings account because they mm. can't, you know, they can't save on their own. So they let the IRS do it for them and they file their tax return and they get all this money back. You know, some people like me, I don't want the IRS to hold my money. Um, I want yeah. I want to spend my money and I want to save it the way I want to save it because the IRS doesn't pay you interest. So even if I put it in a savings account, I'm earning more money on it than than if the IRS were to hold it. That's so. the only yeah. thing a savings account beats is the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, you have to have the discipline to save regularly if you're gonna not let them withhold a bunch. Pretty much. Yeah, tax strategy is one aspect of your overall financial strategy. Okay. So. I, I and I have like oh I, you know what? Let let's let's cut it here because um <laughs> I actually have a lot more, but I think that uh we one need to let people marinate a bit on it before and, and I want us to do like a couple like series, you know, in, in this whole tax thing. But before we, we kinda start the the end um, we did, f- I think, forget in the beginning, uh, there's been mention of a live webinar where we want yeah. to help you with your taxes. And by we, meaning me, Thomas, and Johnny are going to be there live, um, one, to, to teach you some tax lessons, and then two, to answer all your tax questions, which will be 80, I mean, hundred, basically 100% Johnny. But if you have <laughs> you know, other questions, Thomas and I can also answer them. It's going to be live, although we will record it so you could um, listen and watch it after the fact. Uh, It's going to be Monday, February 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I could promise you that I will beat this into your head between now and then. I'll probably send you 100 emails. We'll mention a couple of times in the episodes. Um, It's our first attempt at doing something live. Johnny already has like slides planned. I think it's going to be fucking awesome and this will yeah. be the first time ever that you get to ask us questions live and actually see our faces contort as we try and figure it out or whatever <laughs> um and the one catch i want to add to that is 
I'm sure you have a ton of tax questions. Don't email me any of them. Come to the <laughs> webinar. If you email me a tax question, I'm going to be an asshole and I'm going to delete it. After the webinar, maybe. You're not going to do that. Yeah, ma- maybe it won't be as much it. of an asshole. But <laughs> come to the- it on the webinar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I know we have a bunch of stuff on Facebook. Uh, for everyone who asked a question on Facebook, we didn't forget about you. Johnny may have a- answered them then, but we could also touch upon it in the webinar. Um, come. It's going to be awesome. So, and we're yeah, going to drink beer. And we're going to drink beer. going to drink beer or maybe maybe scotch. Who knows? It's later in the evening. It might be my scotch time. Ooh. Anyway, let me give you some more relevant details about that. So, uh, as Andrew said, it's 8.30 p.m. Eastern, which mm-hmm. would be 5.30 p.m. Uh, West Coast time. And if you want to stay updated on it and get reminders, then sign up for the Listen Money Matters newsletter where Andrew can remind you. And you can find the place to sign up over at listenmoneymatters.com slash get involved. Get, get dash involved. Dash involved. That's how you spell it. Mm. Um, and then, you know what you should do, Andrew? Make make one slash get involved with no dash and redirect it to the dash. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Cause, yeah, because I'm realizing like, you know, you know people will like, forget the dash sometimes. I probably forget the dash. So let's make both of those. Probably. You just did. Either one. Get involved. Get dash involved with everyone. Yeah. Um, you can sign up there and we will keep you uh, reminded and updated on the webinar. Hope to see you there. Um, I'm looking forward to learning more from Johnny. So basically I have my, my high school tax experience and now. I'm slowly forgetting because I just let all the let all, my accountant do it all. But anyway, yeah, that's it for this episode. Unless you guys have anything else to add in, do you? Um, no, no. Oh, just just one more thing. Uh, no, no, no more things. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm no, no such jokes. a tease, right? <laughs> <laughs> the last most important thing you need to know is. Anyway, we're done. <laughs> right, right. I'll, I'll tell you next time. <laughs> I'll tell you next. Time. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, if you have questions, uh, bring those to the webinar if they're about taxes. Otherwise, you can email them to us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Andrew will get those answered in a timely fashion. Got my eye on you. Mm. Stink eye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, also at listenmoneymatters.com slash get dash involved, you can find instructions on how to subscribe to the show, which helps us climb the ranks in iTunes and helps you get the new episode every single time it comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And instructions on how to subscribe are over at that page. You can also find other ways to possibly get involved in heavier ways, uh, mm. joining the team potentially. And also, if you want to leave a review, that also helps us out a lot. And I'm going to read this review that I screenshotted, and the text is very small. And I can't read this review because I don't have my glasses. <laughs> I wanted to say the name. Here it is. I'm just going to read it right off iTunes instead because I got iTunes still open. So, uh, very informative. This comes from Jay Castning. Great podcast with real-world advice from regular guys I can relate to. The mix of humor and financial advice keeps the podcast interesting when discussing a normally mundane topic, which is personal finance. Thank you so much for that review. And if you, dear listener, want to leave us a review, we'll love you forever. Or at least until the heat death of the universe. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's all we got. If you want to find our favorite personal finance resources, tools for budgeting and investing and staying informed, learning new things, head on over to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox all we have so thanks for hanging out with us and johnny and we look forward to the next episode see you guys later man please tell your friends about this show